Welcome to Elaine's Kitchen Table, where we talk about the business of real life. If you're a working mom or a mompreneur, this is where you want to be. This is where we share tips right off Elaine's Kitchen Table about business and parenting. Being a mom of three and wearing multiple hats, from CEO of the award-winning company Easy Daisies Limited to speaker and educator, Elaine knows how valuable your time is, so this podcast is going to be short and sweet. Whether you're tuning in while driving to a meeting, washing dishes, or sitting in the school parking lot waiting to pick up the kids, you're going to learn the tips and secrets of successful and incredible people. Elaine wants you to be inspired, challenged, and motivated to be that successful person you're capable of being and that person you want your kids to grow up to be. This is Real Talk for Real Life. Hi, welcome to Elaine's Kitchen Table. I'm so excited to have you here with us today where we talk about the business of real life. And I am just very honored to have this guest here with me. We actually are recording live today, and she's actually sitting with me at this round table. And she is an incredible entrepreneur and a, a single mom of four. And we have so much to learn from this woman. So our guest today, she is an entrepreneur, a single mom of four, and on top of all of this, she is doing her PhD which I feel she deserves a medal or a big, huge trophy or a cruise or a nap or something right now. But she is here with me at this kitchen table right now. And she is passionate about helping moms access their knowledge and solutions to fast track their growth in their business. And combining her experience in social media marketing and her expertise in online learning, she has created a business called The Social Effect. And she helps small business owners grow their customer base and boost their sales through social media marketing. And I can't wait for her to share. So I'm going to introduce her right now. This is Nicole Kristen. Nicole, welcome. Thank you, Elaine. It is an honor to be here and to be here live, sitting at your table chatting with you today. I, I love that because I often say to, to those I'm interviewing, whether it's over Skype or over some type of online way, that we wish we could be sitting together having tea or coffee. And here we are, we get to, so I'm gonna toast you right now. Yes, cheers. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to ask, how, how, did you, how did you start your business? So I used to be, like you, a teacher, actually. I taught grade six, and then when my oldest son was born, I decided I wanted to stay home with him. And this was right around the time that social media marketing took off. So it was more um, unintentional, my entrepreneurial journey. I started a blog, it took off, I grew it into a business, and then over the years as it evolved, I realized I had learned a lot about social media marketing, and I started sharing that expertise with small business owners. So I was running a review site for parents, I was doing consulting, and I even was helping people launch other ventures. So I really fell into it, but over time I developed a passion for helping other business owners grow their business and see them succeed. And I was able to do that through sharing social media marketing expertise. So would you say that was accidental that you actually launched into it? Yeah, or? it was an accidental launch. I didn't, never expected to be an entrepreneur. It wasn't something that I saw myself doing. If you had t told me 15 years ago that I'd be doing what I'm doing now, I, I probably actually would have laughed at you. <laughs> I, I love the name of your business, The Social Effect, and how apropos that is because it, 
I think we were talking about this earlier, how the, the name of your company and the name of their business should be so clear in what it does. And that's why I like the name of your company. Thank you. Now, I, I, I would love to know, often people think it's an easy road that, oh, you are a business owner, lucky you, you have this business. Can you think of a time where you had a big challenge in your business, like something, like whether it was a big mistake or, or a big hurdle, what was it that you could share with us and what did you learn from it? Absolutely. The thing that always comes first to my mind when I'm asked this question is um, I had experience of burnout, extreme burnout. It was in May of 2015, so about a year and a half ago. And I was involved in three ventures at that time. I had my kids, I was in an unhealthy marriage, and everything was literally falling apart. I had no energy, and it was it was that, the bottom. Mm. I hit rock bottom, to mm. the point I realized that I needed to change pretty much absolutely everything in my life. And from that experience, one of the things I discovered is I have to work in the bounds of reality. And I incorporate that into my business to helping people find solutions that actually work in their schedule. Because for me, I have to be able to walk my talk. I balance my life now with self-care, with making sure that I'm not just considering myself a robot who is working, working, working. And it's so easy considering my academic responsibilities, my business responsibilities, and most importantly, my parenting responsibilities. Yes. And... You are incredible. You have four children, ranging the ages three to to ten, and and you're doing your PhD and running a business. But I I love how you said that you have to work in in the boundaries of reality, and and realizing that you aren't this robot, but that you are taking time for self care. Do you find that you're scheduling that first and making that a priority, or is it still like? the last thing on your list? No, I make it a priority because I have learned that I really am not going to function without it. So I'm actually okay on my childcare days, taking an hour, like once a week, I have an hour. I'm paying for childcare. Instead of working, I'm going to a yoga class and I'm incorporating that into my schedule. I think one of the key things that I've learned is, especially as a single parent, there is a lot of things that I'm responsible for and I'm responsible for making sure they happen, I'm not responsible for doing them myself. Mm. And that is the key to making sure that, you know, my needs are met and that I'm not burning out. If I'm finding myself burning out, that is a sign to me that I need to outsource something. So I look at what's draining me and I think about how I can outsource it within the bounds of reality, considering my budget, considering all the constraints, what can I do that would work right now and it might not be the ideal long-term solution but it helps that is a a golden nugget right there right there (laughs) i think we should all pull over if we're driving and write it down that that you know if you feel burnout that's your true indicator right there that and i i I love what you said that we need to realize that we're responsible for making things happen but not necessarily the one to make them happen yes so you know yes we have a messy dirty house we realize that and we have to take care of that situation but it doesn't mean that we have to be the one taking out that four hours of the day because you can outsource that and hire someone to do that or yes absolutely if you need another eight hours in your week which i found that i did i i hired someone for eight to do eight hours of work around my house and all of a sudden i've got another eight hours 
in my week. That is awesome. I think that should be on a t-shirt. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is awesome. I love that point. You, you need to put that in some type of share out post. Yes. Okay. okay. I will. <laughs> now, I, I, when people are, are thinking and if they're listening right now and thinking, okay, well, I want to start my own business and my life is also crazy and hectic and I'm also either already in a different business, but I want to start something new or, or I'm working for someone else. What would you say are the top three must-haves in a person who, who does want to start their own business? Yeah, for sure. And that's really important. Um, number one is support. You cannot do this on your own. Um, yes, I'm a single parent, but I have a huge support team. It takes a village. It takes a village to raise a child. It also takes a village to raise an entrepreneur. You need to have people who are going to be willing to step in for childcare, people who are going to be willing to be at your house early mornings if you need to go to a speaking engagement, late at night if you need to be at a networking meeting. You need to have um, support. If you are in a relationship, you need to have your partner support because it will affect that relationship. You absolutely have to have that support there. You also need to be committed. Commitment is huge. if you really want to be an entrepreneur, it takes a lot of work. It's going to be tiring. There are going to be days that you're going to wonder what on earth you are doing and you want to give up and you have to have that commitment to do it anyways. And then the last thing I think you need is a flexible mindset. Being an entrepreneur is very dynamic. The plan that you come up with, that initial business plan you come up with is going to change so much. And sometimes it even changes on a quarterly basis as you get to learn um, more about your target customers. You have to be willing to go with the flow and change things while still keeping your eye on the goal at the end. No, I, I absolutely appreciate that. It does take that village to, to support you and your business because we wouldn't have business without people No, on, on both ends. That's like, right. To help make the business happen and for the business to thrive. Yes. And absolutely commitment. Because there's no one else who's going to be doing it for you because you you got to be the one that is that driving force to make it to your goals. That's right. And absolutely, I love that, that you said that being an entrepreneur is very dynamic. So yes, we have to be flexible and be ready to bend and find yes. a, a, a different solution to something that failed and not to just give up, but to, to whether it is to... to to learn a new skill set so that you can do something better or to learn to hire someone else to do that and be flexible enough to lose that control. Yes. Absolutely. Would you say that you've had a mentor or someone that has helped you to be who you are today? And and if, if you do, was there a lesson from that mentor or from an experience that guided you to be who you are today? Yes. I I have had several mentors um, who've stepped up, especially when I hit that burnout point. And they invested, there was a couple people who just really invested time and energy into supporting me. And the fact that they were still supporting me when the relationship changed, it became a relationship where I was in a position where I just didn't have much to give back. And to me, that is really a true mentor relationship is when someone's investing in you because they see your potential and they know that you're not at a point yet where you can give back. And that made me realize as I go forward, um, it gave me the confidence, number one, to start investing my business. If other people saw me as investment worthy, then 
I needed to have that same mindset about my business. And I really learned that you should be the biggest investor in your business. Um, definitely with time. Sometimes you might need an investor with a bigger wallet than you have, mm -hmm. but you should be willing to invest some money into your business. I really feel that if you don't view your business as worthy of your personal investment, then why should anyone else? Absolutely. Absolutely. That is uh, so very true because I think we could be very hard on ourselves and apologetic sometimes with mm -hmm. our business. And then we often give things away for free, whether it's our service, our time, our product. And if we continue to think that way, why would anybody else want to pay us, right? That's right. You you are investment worthy. I think yes, that is the key thing I want reminder. more women to realize is they are investment worthy. Investment worthy. There's the other t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> investment worthy. Put that on the back <laughs> with a mug. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I want to tap into your expertise. So as a social media marketing expert and specialist, what would you say are your top three social media tips for small business owners, especially when there's a lack of funds and a lack of time? Absolutely. One thing that I see, it's a common mistake, especially with small business owners who feel nervous about being on social media, they forget to showcase their personality. They're so concerned with coming across as a professional, which is, by the way, very important. I am not at all suggesting you be unprofessional online, <laughs> but it comes across as very sterile. So they forget to be themselves. They forget to showcase a little bit of their quirkiness and that fun, those fun bits that help other people feel connected to them. Mm. The other thing too is a lot of people have that mindset that social media needs to be about quantity. And it does to a degree and it does at a certain point, if you want to achieve a certain level of reach, yes, quantity comes um, into play. But if you're limited with time and money, just focus on quality. I always tell people in the courses I deliver, be fascinating. Yes, um, interesting, boring posts are bad. Interesting posts are okay, but fascinating posts. Fascinate the people who follow you. That's where you're going to see results. Hmm. And then to the third thing is if you want to fascinate your audience you need to know your audience you absolutely have to have a very clear target customer that you're serving if you say your target customer is moms you're not being clear enough you need to know whether they are new moms moms of school age kids there is so much more to that demographic and you've got to be crystal clear on knowing your audience so that when you speak they feel like you're getting right inside their head Absolutely, and and so that you can relate to you. Yes. No, I. Uh, one great activity, even like right now, if if our listeners can even take a moment and like just jot a list or or, or a, a web, with, in the middle of that web, write the, you know ideal customer, and and you all have one. We all have an ideal customer. We could think of their name, whether it's a, a brick and mortar store or a, a person. To write down that person's name or store name in the middle, and then just do this big web of of what defines that person. So if it is, you know, a preschool mom, for example, if that is your, or a new mom, and then you would say, oh, they probably watch HGTV, HGTV, or they shop at Walmart, or they um, love to go for walks with their friends, they go see chick flicks, whatever it is, and you start thinking, what is everything about this person? Because then you will know where they are, how they think, That's how they right. spend their time, what time they might be on Facebook, so that you can help yourself with with marketing to them 
inequality aspect. Yes. And one thing you can do too is even if you know someone who's in your um, who's in your network or in your circle who you feel really fits your profile for an ideal customer, follow them online. Pay attention to how what they're doing mm-hmm. online. Pay attention to what they post about and what interests them, what they share, what they like. You're going to get a ton of information about them and you can use that person as kind of like an avatar absolutely for right. that without spending tons of money that's on right marketing exactly yeah. <laughs> no absolutely and, and it is hard because sometimes like you know and i've done focus groups and it's hard because you're like okay i know you're all my friends all 20 of you in this room but i, I don't want to be my friend right now i yes. want your dead honest truth and and sometimes it's hard because they know that it's they don't want to insult you so so you have to make sure that when you're studying that avatar, it is unbiased on their part that they aren't doing it to help you, but they're doing it to seriously help you by giving you the honest feedback that you need. And yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, I love that you mentioned to, to showcase your personality, right? Yes, it's so key. You just, you're not going to stand out if yes. you're like everybody else. That's right. Own your quirks, own your, you know, your individualness. And that is, people want to see that. Um, Another piece of advice I got from someone that is just, I use it all the time, is people buy from people. That's right. They, they don't buy from a logo. They don't buy from, they have to feel connected to you as a person. Absolutely. And the only way to do that is by getting your personality out there. Be you. Yeah, be uniquely you. Yes. And, you know, because then you're going to draw the right audience. And it's okay to say no to the wrong audience because you want your your service or product to be successful for that person and sometimes it's not a fit and that's okay to realize that and not to just sell (laughs) exactly and I I wanted to ask you because I know that right now you're spending a lot of time in your PhD and that is huge and very important and congratulations on doing that thank you thank you incredible (laughs) now we had an early earlier conversation and I think it's just perfect to talk about here because you're currently doing your PhD, I want I want you to explain how doing this PhD is shaping your own journey as an entrepreneur. Absolutely. So one of the interesting things I've learned is academia and business are very similar. So in the academic world, you've got to be able to clearly explain what you're doing. You have to be able to explain it at different levels and you have to be able to sell yourself to people. You have to be able to, for research grants, for all the things you're doing, you have to be able to prove that you're investment worthy, that your research matters. So it's so much like being an entrepreneur. Absolutely. You're selling your idea. Yes. You're selling your idea. And then I think the other piece of it that I'm really learning from this journey is the importance. um, It goes with that flexibility of mindset of evolving as an entrepreneur. Where I started is not where I'm finishing. Um, I'm now continuing to evolve as an entrepreneur. I'm looking at new directions that are related to my PhD and um, I'm loving it. And I think that we need to, as entrepreneurs, know that where we're at right now might not be where we end up. That entrepreneurial journey is going to shift and change and it's going to go with our interests. And it's such a fun ride if you allow yourself to grow and evolve and be dynamic. I, I, I love that. I love that correlation. And I... I like how you're saying, you know, that you have to be willing to grow and 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 change and evolve. And and in business, sometimes as a small business owner, we get stuck in this is our baby and nobody can criticize it. Nobody can find something wrong with it because it's it's kind of perfect. But you know what? It is a 
a wonderful thing to receive criticism and a wonderful thing to receive feedback, positive and negative. And and do you have any advice on that, yeah. on how to take negative criticism? Yes. That's going through your own <laughs> studies. Right Absolutely. Now. When you're an academic, you get tons of negative criticism. You get positive too. But people at this level, um, they don't handle you with kid gloves. You get very honest feedback, but you understand that it's because they're invested in seeing you grow. If people are giving you critical feedback, Thank At them. this level, it's not it's not to be mean or nasty. It's because they see that you've got potential and they want to see that potential grow. I have a couple entrepreneurial friends who, um, when we go out for coffee, we give each other permission to be critical of one another's business. And we it's it's a shared thing and we know that we are being each being critical to the other because we are invested in the success hmm. of the other mm-hmm. and so when we say yeah i don't know if that's going to work i don't know have you thought about this or mm, i'm not sure about that approach it's coming from a place of lifting each other up absolutely. not from pushing the other down i i love that description absolutely lifting each other up and I, I absolutely love that. And uh, I think that we, it's a great lesson right there to, to remember to appreciate and say thank you yes. when someone does give a, a negative feedback, whether it's to that service or to that product, and, and take it and embrace it and say, okay, well, how can I make my service or business better? And that's an excellent reminder. Yeah. And to not be defensive, but to, appreciate it well and to say i mean if you start to feel those defenses go up say that's interesting what can i take away from this you may choose not to change anything that's always your choice but sometimes it's an indicator that yeah you could modify something and evolve it to be even better and isn't that a wonderful gift but you only get it if you're willing to listen to and accept criticism oh absolutely and i and i am always grateful because i always think you know, the person took the time to tell me. Or they could be telling somebody else and not the source, like the the, the customer, I mean, the business itself. So when a business receives that negative feedback from a client or a customer, I think, wow, thank you. Yeah. Thank you, you took that time to share it with me because, you know, they could be sharing with everybody else but you, but they came and they're telling you. Absolutely. And I think that's brilliant and kind and wonderful. I mean, kind is probably not the word, <laughs> but I think it's kind. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. I'm going to finish on this question. Being all about easy daisies and, you know, I I love helping people establish good habits and routine. What would you say, Nicola, are your habits of success? And whether it's two habits, one habit, three habits, do you have habits? (laughs) You must. Yes. Um, I think my habits of success are considering yourself, your day holistically. So again, it's putting in that self-care. I love um, using a yoga analogy. When I go to yoga class, we always talk about what's, what's your personal practice. So what's in your practice for today? And I love extending that concept of practice to your entire day. So, you know, it's my practice to wake up, to do a little bit of yoga, to get in the right mindset for the day. It's my practice to make sure my kids are fed for the day and that they've got everything they need to have a successful day in the morning. It's also in part of my daily practice then to sit down and to do some work and to get academic work done, to get entrepreneurial work done. It's part of my practice to make sure that I'm shutting it down at the right time, that I'm, you know, 
making sure that evening responsibilities are met. It's my practice to make sure that I'm going to bed at a good hour so that I can wake up the next morning energized and being productive. So if someone's asked you to define practice, what would you say that? I think that practice becomes, it's, because I love the word practice because it means you don't necessarily have it all right. You can mess up, right? When you think about learning the piano, right? When you're practicing piano, you don't have to do it perfect. But it is um, defining that practice. It's applying those habits. It's getting um, into the practice of keeping yourself healthy, keeping your day balanced, and being productive in the hours that you do have to work. Okay. No, I love that. I don't That's know if a, that was too complicated a definition. No, I, but. <laughs> I, I think that is that is an incredible way to describe it. And I love how you defined it, that it doesn't have to be perfect. No, it's no, work in progress. you have a wrong date. Your, your date goes, you know. <laughs> that's oh, going to be better the yes, next time you practice That's right. It. The, next, the next day you wake up and you practice the day I again. I love that. I love that. You sound like a super mama. Oh, <laughs> I love that. And in business, I mean, you practice, you learn, you know, when I deal with a, a manufacturer or a distributor and a different distributor, it's not the same. No. It's not the same, but I have learned from my first practice <laughs> not to do certain things the same way or yeah. how to do something better. Yes. And so I love that. Thank you. Nicole, I'm just honored to have had you with me on during this time, and thank you for sharing those incredible tidbits because I, I've learned so much, and, oh. and you're absolutely inspiring. So thank you for being with us here today. And if people wanted to find you, where could they find you? The best place to find me right now is to go to www.socialeffect.ca and you'll find all the different places that you can touch base with me and connect with me. Perfect. I will have all of that actually in our show notes as well. And I just want to say thank you again for being on the show. And I want to thank our listeners as well. And... I always love hearing back from you, so please do find me on Twitter at Chat with Elaine or on Facebook at Elaine's Kitchen Table. And I'd be so honored if you went on iTunes and left a rating for this show, because um, your ratings actually help with um, Elaine's Kitchen Table showing up on on iTunes in the higher ranking. So I appreciate that, and thank you so much, and Nicole, thank you. And thank we're just gonna say bye as well. All right, bye everyone. Thank you so much, Elaine, for having me here. It was an absolute pleasure, and I'm just so grateful for this opportunity. Thank you so much. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye.